0: The truest thing about you are not the things that you say about yourself. The truest things about you are the things that God says about you. This has been our consistent refrain for the past several weeks in talking about our heart and about our health. Now, if you remember, we're striving for holistic health, and before you, like, Throw stuff at me for being a hippie or whatever. I'm not. That term has been co-opted. Holistic really means everything's interconnected, and what we want as um, disciples of Christ is to not just uh, be spiritual people. Uh, we, we want. We don't just want to be emotional people. We don't. We don't want to just be uh, uh, in our own minds type people. Instead, we want all of our parts, all of the parts of us: our mental, our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual parts, to be connected and combined in one pursuit of Christ. And so we've said that God has a, a particular picture of flourishing that kind of goes um, against what we deem as flourishing. See, we, we think that getting ahead at the job or getting the promotion or buying that house or having the new iPhone or whatever, those things are getting ahead. Those things are good. Um, maybe it's not material for you. Maybe it's having the right relationships or, or uh, having that particular person in your life or whatever. We, we we see flourishing in kind of a really small, um, kind of like narrow path, if that makes sense. We see it very, very shortly, whereas God sees it very big. And he has a, a big idea in mind for what it looks like to flourish. And it looks like loving him with everything, from your essence, from your center, from your heart. And so if you wanted to kind of boil down everything that we've been saying so far in the Heart Healthy series, It'd be this, the Christian life is about aligning your heart and your mind with God. It's pretty simple. But see, when you do that, that's where you'll find identity and true purpose. Because again, you you aren't who you say you are. You are who God says you are. And if you want to be healthy, then aligning your view of yourself with God's view of yourself will really get you towards health. Because again, the truest things about you are not the things that you say, but the things that God says. Uh, We've gotten this quote or this idea from a really impactful book that I think at some point we'll be doing in a module on. It's called Faith for Exiles. I want to read uh, just a line from it. It says this, well, not more, more than just a line, actually a little paragraph. It is more than possible to be and raise resilient disciples. But we need to understand what's at stake when it comes to identity. We must grasp how its essence is being redefined, even distorted in our present time. One of those distortions is a trend we could describe as elective identity. The idea that people can and should define their own identity, that the individual is the ultimate arbiter of what is true about herself or himself. Most people today, including Christians, believe identity can be discovered and decided on by the individual. A perfectly terrible example is the degree to which Christians embrace a pop culture moral code that starts and ends with me. A majority of Christians have succumbed to wrong-headed ideas, such as, you discover the truth about yourself by looking inside yourself. You can believe whatever you want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. You should pursue the things you desire most. Collectively, our society says that our choices define our identity, but that is only partly true. It's true enough that our choices inform what we make of our lives. Certainly, we believe that God has created human beings with agency to make choices, but we must persuade young people that the truest thing about humans is what our Creator says about us, that we are created with essential worth, and dignity as children crafted in His image, and that following His Son Jesus restores His image in us, which was broken as a result of human rebellion. Let me ask you a question: What kind of things do you say about yourself? What, what's your inner dialogue sound like? If someone had a, like just a picture or just a, a recording of what you said to yourself all day and what you said about yourself out loud, and what you said about others out loud. What would it sound like? Are you negative about yourself? Do you affirm your essential worth and value? I say essential because God created you and made you, therefore you are valuable and worthy. Do you talk about yourself as a child of God? Or do you use different terms? Would people even know that you find your identity in Christ? The first aspect of rooting our identity in Christ is knowing that Christ chooses to dwell within you and me as a result of the faith that we place in him. If I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, then God chooses to dwell within me. God is in me. 1 John 4.13 says this, By this we know that we abide where? And he in us. It's not, it's not a one-way transaction. It's not just we get God. Rather, he comes down and is a part of us. He dwells within us because he has given us his very spirit. You are in Christ, and he is in you. This is very different. It's not just a set of beliefs, a set of ideas that we buy into. It's a person that comes and dwells within us. It's the very spirit of God who directs us and works within us. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will what? Bring it to completion. Will bring it to completion. God is working within you. It's not exterior forces. It's not exterior ideas that you should buy into. Now, we want to buy into the ideas of the Bible and the, and the principles of the Bible, but there's more to it than that. It's God working within you to transform you. Second Corinthians 5.17, many of you know this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... Ooh, it's good. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. Philippians 3:13 through 15. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you because he's in you, working within you. See, maturity involves acknowledging your past and then not living it anymore. That's maturity. It's realizing that I haven't attained anything yet and that I'm not as bad as I thought I was, so I just acknowledge who I used to be, and I'm just going to move forward with Christ now In me, dwelling in me, working within me to change me and transform me from the inside out. So, like, we need to quit speaking negatively of ourselves. Because who's in you? The very spirit of God. And listen, God doesn't dwell in you and make you, you, here's God's portion and here's your portion. And God's going to come over here and hang out, you know, an hour a week on Sundays And he's just going to talk to you during the hour a week on Sunday and you know the one time that you remember to pray during the week. That's not how God works. God permeates your whole being because he wants to dwell all the way in you and he wants to change all of you. Does that make sense? He wants to transform all of you. So quit speaking negatively about yourself and start acknowledging the good that is within you because when you speak evil against yourself, you are speaking against God in you. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to make the decision to stop speaking such bad things about ourselves. Now that's easier said than done, right? The words we speak to ourselves and about ourselves are sometimes very hard to control, especially when you're tired and haven't had coffee from the corner yet. Um, especially when your kids are being kids and, and they've been crying for like an hour and whining at you for an hour and they've been asking you the same question for like an hour. You don't particularly feel... Holy Spirit-driven and led in those moments, right? Uh, sometimes, sometimes it's very hard to control our emotions and the inner talk that goes in our mind because the, the reality is that your mind is constantly speaking. You're constantly having inner dialogue with yourself. And so instead of speaking negatively or being um, a part of the flow, instead of just going with the flow of your life, we should be intentional and begin to speak well of ourselves, There's more than just putting down criticism. We should take up things that we should say about ourselves instead, aligning our words with what God says and declares about us. How much time would you say you spend thinking on the truths about who you are in Jesus Christ? How often do you verbalize those either out loud or in your mind? How often do you pray and talk out loud about the things you discover in God's word that he says about you, that you are loved, that you are valuable, that you are cherished, that you are a child of his. See, we have to internalize these truths because when we internalize them, that leads into our next aspect of rooting our identity in Christ. It's not enough just to know that God is within me. I've also got to know what he's trying to accomplish within me. Does this make sense so far? So I I, want to know my potential. I want to know what the potential is. So I'm going to read this verse to you, Philippians 1:6, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. You and I are terrible assessors of ourselves. We are terrible at assessing who we are. You and I want to follow our hearts. And you and I want to elect our own identity. That's what the Faith for Exiles quote just says. We, we want to elect. We want to choose what our own identity is. Choosing the things that we like, putting away the things that we don't like, And there's this constant quest of who am I? And if I'm only looking within myself, and I'm only looking at the people next to me, and I'm only looking at what media tells me, or what music tells me, then I'm going to have a lot of different and competing voices telling me who I am. And I get to now pick and choose who I will be, who I will not be. I'm the funny kid. I'm the whatever. Exactly. You guys get what I'm trying to say? You, You can start picking and choosing and start making the you that you want to be. The problem is that that's super shallow. You're forming your identity, who you are at your core, based upon what you didn't like in somebody else's attitudes. You're basing your entire personhood on your own assessment and evaluation of your skills and your abilities. God doesn't view you as shallow as you view you. That's why God's word is given to us for truth Because he has placed every good thing that is in us for his sake. Paul wants you to know and internalize that God is working in you and that he's trying to transform you. Listen, he saved you, he healed you, he gave you a sound mind, he's given you spiritual gifts, he has planned your future, he's given you a wonderful personality. And these are just some of the things that he's given in you and placed in you and done in you because he's loaded with you with tons of potential that he wants to unlock and unleash for his glory. Elective identity is so problematic because when I only look at my own self, I can only assess as far as my knowledge and understanding goes. God views you so much more highly than you view yourself. He thinks you're important. He thinks you're full of promise. He thinks that you can accomplish amazing things. He wants you to go talk to people about him. He wants you uh, uh, to partner alongside uh, the Holy Spirit working within you to make disciples who make disciples. He wants you to go to your coworkers and say spiritual things to them and engage them in relationship and in conversation about God. See, he views you at that level. And you and I go, oh, I can't talk to somebody about God. That would be so scary. What if they say no? What would they, what would they think of me if I, if I talked to them about that? And, and, and we don't have to even get spiritual. It, it, can be, it can be how good of a parent you are or how good of a, a friend maker you are, how, how good you are at relationships. A lot of us self-talk, oh, I'm just the shy person. I can't, I can't get out outside of myself. I can't have relationships that go X deep because if they know me, then they'll know these things. And listen, God's telling you, no, go further, go further. There's a relationship there. I, I, I see you here. You see you here, and I see you here. I want you to be up here. I want you to know your potential. And the only way that you're going to know your potential is by knowing God's word. I mean, the reality is that you and I are still living out of and away from who we used to be as eighth graders. Don't you relive the most embarrassing moments of your life every now and again? They, they all seem to happen around eighth grade, which is really weird we're all still trying to not be who we were in eighth grade because we didn't like that person. We didn't like how clumsy we were, how fumbly we were with our words. We didn't like how aggressive we were or whatever, and so we're trying to not be who we were in eighth grade rather than living into the person that Christ called us to be. Christ has a much higher view of you and assesses you more than you could ever assess yourself. This is the problem with elective identity, and it's why we need to know the truth of God's word. You can't live as though uh, Christ is in you and don't internalize the truth that he's given of your identity, okay? Because the truest things about you are not what you say, but what God says about you. And if you don't know what God says about you, then maybe it's time to start digging into your Bible until you know the truth about what Jesus says about you. Now listen, don't just open up to like Nahum, you know what I'm saying? And you like read the first line and you're like, that's for me. Thank you, Lord, amen. And like you don't even know what you just read that's not the point that's that's not good bible reading okay Uh, Nahum the prophet wrote to a particular people at a particular time and listen those words are for us yes but they were for those people specifically and so you can pull principles out and you can understand what Nahum was trying to say to the people and then apply that to your life but Nahum wasn't writing directly to Jeff Jarrett in 2019 So you can't just pop that open and say, Nahum wrote this to me and this is my promise day that I'm going to keep. That's not how it works. You have to be good Bible readers and understand what the original author was saying to the original audience and then extrapolate that to where you are now. I'm using big words, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. You can principally apply the things that you read in God's word to then put in your life. It's a little easier in the New Testament than Nahum. I can just guarantee you that. So if you want to find some of your identity language, go to Ephesians this week and start reading there. God will talk to you about who you are. He'll say things like you're an adopted child. That's not hard to understand. He'll say that you are loved and that you have purpose. That's not hard to understand. Go read those. Find those. Internalize those truths. Knowing that you're a child of God, internalizing these things are part of the keys to seeing victory and transformation and heart, true heart health in your life. But merely possessing knowledge, merely, merely knowing that God is in me and that he wants to work in me, and merely uh, having a bunch of biblical knowledge doesn't necessarily activate these realities in my life. You have to hit the ignition to spark these things into reality. You've got to activate the power within. Now, whoa, y'all just heard like charismatic language. <laughs> I just said activate, you know what I'm saying? Oh my goodness. And we're like a good Baptist church, you know what I'm saying? This is scary that we're talking about activating things within you. You have potential and purpose. Oh my gosh, the word of God is so scary. Listen, God wants you to activate these realities in your life. The example I gave you a moment ago, God doesn't inhabit this space and you in this space when he dwells in you. He wants all of you. And he's waiting for some of you to get on board with him. He wants to transform you. Amen? And the way that he's going to do that is not by coercing you or overriding your will, but working alongside of your own volition and decision. So you have to activate. Confession sparks the knowledge that you possess. Now, confession's a weird word. Um, we, we think of it in kind of one, one idea. We think of confession as I'm spilling my guts before God. I'm telling him all the bad things that I did, you know, today. Uh, because I want to make sure that everything's cool with me and God. You know, I'm just, okay, so I sinned today and I did this thing. That's how we view confession. We think of it in a very narrow mindset. We think of confession as simply, I'm going to talk to God about the things that I've done wrong. It is that, but it's more than that. Confession is agreeing with God about what he says. Sometimes agreeing with God looks like acknowledging the sins in your life. Sometimes agreeing with God looks like spilling my guts before the Lord, because I need to be right with him and be back in fellowship and relationship with him. But oftentimes, confession does not mean that. Confession means agreeing with what God says about us. Remember, he's the one who placed the good things in you, and he wants you to call those good things out. Otherwise, you'll continue to negatively self-talk. Maybe not even negatively. Maybe you'll go the other opposite direction, and you'll overcompensate and be conceited about yourself. And you'll only care about yourself, period. And the point is that you're not supposed to be either. You're supposed to be in the middle, humble, loving others, but also not devaluing yourself. Confession. We need to agree with the Word of God. Let's go back to Philemon 1 6. And I pray that the sharing of your faith, the uh, old New King James would say, communicating. I pray that the sharing, the communicating of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The word effectual is the Greek word energeo. Can you imagine what English word we get from that? Somebody say it. Energy. Energy. You guys are great Greek scholars. We get the word energy from the Greek word energeo. It carries the idea of something that has become activated. A car has all the potential in the world to move. Okay, not my Jeep uh, currently, but a car that does work, a car that can be driven. You drove it today. You're, you're pretty confident it's going to drive you home. A car that has all the parts working and the engines all correct and whatever. I don't think know things about cars, um, but a car has all the potential to move. But unless you insert the key to the ignition and turn it, the car's not going anywhere. It's never going to fulfill its purpose for which it was created. And this is true of you and I. God looks at us as his children full of potential and purpose. What we need to do is spark and activate those realities in our lives through the process of confession and agreement. Those will become the spark that start us on the path of fulfilling our purpose and activating the power of Christ within us. Let me give you some examples of how emp- uh, how empowering and powerful our words are. Luke chapter 8, sorry, Chapter 12, verse 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, also will acknowledge before who? The angels of God. Wow. You acknowledge in front of just people who Jesus is in your life? Jesus is saying, that's my guy. That's my girl. That's awesome. Guys, did you just see that? They just talked about me and acknowledged me in front of their peers. That's incredible. They just talked about Jesus in front of their kids. Whoa. That's how Jesus views you. And that's how excited he is about you when you speak about him. Romans ten, nine through 10. Another important uh, way to view our confession in words. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will what? Be saved. What we, what we think the words that we formulate to connect ourselves with God, matter. They have power. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Our confession is important. See, there's reasons that our words matter. Because those words come from somewhere. That's why the psalmist prays this way in Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our words, whether in our mind or spoken aloud, come from where? Our hearts. They come from our hearts. And what we learned from the first uh, several sermons is that your heart, the Hebrew word is lev. It means your essence, your center. It's not just the emotional seat like we think about it in modern day times. In Hebrew times, in ancient Hebrew writing, they thought that your lev, your heart, was the seat of volition, of self-will and thinking. It was the seat of, of critical analysis, and it was the seat of emotion all mixed up into one. And so when we say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, what we're saying is, love God with everything. Love God with everything, and our words come from our center, and from our essence. And so we have to align ourselves with God's truth. And I think it's interesting that the psalmist pairs them together. He doesn't say, let my heart be aligned with God so that my words will then be aligned with my heart. No, he sees them not as two different entities, but as interrelated ideas that connect and work in a cycle. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing because your words come from your heart and then your words inform your heart. And then more words come from your heart and then the words you say inform your heart. And then your informed heart will speak new words and then those words will then, infor- you guys get the cycle. The psalmist doesn't separate them on purpose. Jesus himself says it in the New Testament. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks so you and i have to be in the business of confessing what we possess you need to confess what you possess god has granted you with gifts and with treasures that he's placed inside of you and he's also granted you with power through his presence but those things will never be activated because if our words are not aligned with them then it points to where our hearts really are your words matter Your words matter, and they will activate or they will deactivate your pursuit of God. Many people who know the truth are living below their potential because they are preoccupied with their own never-ending search of their truth. That's just my truth. And we're constantly going to be in that search because culture constantly changes. uh, Marketing constantly changes how it wants to impact you and the algorithms that That want to, uh, I just was watching Wreck-It Ralph uh, breaks the internet. Have you guys seen that movie? Um, Like two people in this room. Oh my gosh, I have kids. Um, I have little kids. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph goes to uh, Buzzfeed. It's like their YouTube or BuzzTube or whatever. Uh, He walks in and there's some there's like a ruler of this of this particular part of the internet. Her name is Algorithm. Um, she, she, what she does is she uh, identifies what impacts people and then makes sure it's in front of their faces. On Facebook, you ever wonder why when, you, when you're talking to your spouse about, oh, we need some new, I don't know, gutters or whatever at our house, and then like five minutes later on Facebook, what's, what ad is popping up? Gutters. And like gutter companies. It's weird. Number one, we know they're listening. That's a little scary. Number two, we know that the algorithm is paying attention to the things that are important to you. And it's going to continually pump in front of you what it thinks you should want and what it thinks you should be. And so it's going to constantly change and shift all the time. We need to find a bedrock. We just sang the song. Jesus is like a rock. He is our mountain that we can run to. And whether we're on the mountain or in the valley, he is still there. It's why our identity needs to be found in him rather than trying to elect our own identity. Jesus himself says it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Aligning our hearts with Christ and what he says about us necessitates aligning our knowledge and then activating what we know by what we say about ourselves. Unfortunately, it is possible to possess all the potential that God has placed in us yet never experience the reality of that potential because our mouths have never activated those spiritual blessings. Confession and agreement become what will activate the truth of God within us. Imagine how your life, how this church would be energized if we would confess the good that is in us because of Christ. I mean, it would transform your life. That's the point. That's the point, is that it would transform your life. If we spoke about ourselves the way that God speaks about us, man, we would be transformed. C.S. Lewis um, uh, talks about it this way. He says, um, if you went to a child in the slum um, and you told them, let's go, let's go on holiday to the beach, very British way to say it, let's go to vacation um, on the beach, the kid in the slum would have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? I've got a truck right here and some water. I'm, I'm solid. What are you talking about? I don't need to go to a beach. What, do you, what even is a beach? I don't even know what that is. C.S. Lewis says that we, we are messing around with really temporary, really we, what we think are really important things, all the while missing the grand scheme that God has for us. Because we can't imagine what a holiday at the beach would be like. We need to begin to speak use our words out loud and in our minds to talk about ourselves the way that God talks about us. We need to view ourselves as highly as God views us, not with conceit, not with, not with cockiness, no, none of that. Uh, God, doesn't, God doesn't think that you're better than you are either. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. But listen, he doesn't, he doesn't look at you and go, ooh, gross sinner again. Mm. Put him on the B team. Make them the water boy, water girl. God doesn't do that. He wants you to be invested in the game. He wants you to be a part of the A team, just the team, actually. There's not two sex. okay? There's, there's, there's one group, and we're all playing together. And we have to view ourselves the way that God views us. If you speak what he says about you, then you'll be progressively transformed into the image of Jesus more and more and more and more. Now, we haven't even talked about going outward with this yet. Imagine what talking to your coworkers like this would be like. You call out the good in them. You call out the wonderful things that God's doing in your life. You pray with them. You ask God to bless their lives. Imagine how transformative that would be in their lives. Imagine imagine talking to your kids this way. You are everything you could be. I mean, you, you, you have so much potential and so much future in front of you. All you have to do is see yourself the way that I see you. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're great. You're awesome. You're hilarious. You think so interestingly about the world. I love it. Talk to our kids this way. Talk to ourselves about this way. Talk to our coworkers this way. And watch what God will do. He'll begin to transform you and transform the others around you. Have to keep speaking these truths until they are manifested in your life. Again, this is starting to sound woo, a little charismatic. starting to get a little, we're getting on the edge here. Uh, listen, if, if your systematic theology has you so comfortably thinking about how God works and, and how the world works, then you're not reading the Bible. You're reading systematic theology books who make you really comfortable about how you should view the world. Listen, the, the Bible calls you to more than a system that we place God in. The Bible says you should call out the truths that are in your life and you should manifest those in your life via the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life to accomplish those things. Um, I just read, uh, Ooh, do hard things. You guys need to sign up for that class. We're starting this Wednesday. You need to sign up for the equip module this Wednesday uh, with me and Rachel. We're going to be teaching this one. I just read this week. Um, there was a study done in a, a university in Oregon where we were two different classes. Um, uh, same exact like type of students, uh, all high achieving students, uh, uh, making great grades have really great things in their life, really stable people. Um, the only thing that was different about the two classes was that the professor was told ex- these are ex- I mean just excellent wonderful these are your top students over here in this class. The other professor was told and these are kind of your mm, just your normal kids, they're pretty average. I don't even know if they want to be here. Their mom might have you know made them come to college. And wouldn't you know that this class over here with the normal kids and just the average Joes and the kids who didn't really want to be there, the professor barely gave them the time of day. The professor barely barely looked at them, didn't hardly work with them, was very impatient when they didn't have the right answer, and if they didn't have the right answer, quickly moved on from that person to the next person who did have the right answer. Whereas in the excellent, high-achieving class, professor was all about that class. I'm telling you, you're just ready to work with them, ready to draw out the answer. No, 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 you're so close. Keep going, keep going. I want, I, you're going to have the answer. Keep going. I want to work with you on this. And the difference in grades and in the difference in how the class went had nothing to do with the students but everything to do with the expectation the professor put on them. You and I view ourselves so lowly and God views you so highly and he wants you to make real in your life what he says about you and the things that he wants to do in you let me ask you something what types of words do you want your kids to say about themselves you want them to think that they're awesome you want them to think they're amazing you want them have you guys seen those like cute little videos of the like little boy walking to school and he's like i am smart and i am good and god loves me have you guys seen those videos they're so cute There's like one with a little blonde girl like in the mirror and she's like dancing back and forth. She's saying, I am smart, I am cool, I, and she's just going back and forth like that. And that's like her daily affirmation that she gives herself every morning. You guys need to look these videos up. They're so cute. You guys want your kids to say that about themselves. So why is it not cool for God to want you, his child, to say that about yourself? You should want to say the things that God views you as. So we need to start acknowledging who we are in Christ Jesus and let that activation release the power of God into your life. Work on bringing the words of your mouth into alignment with the truths that we see in God's Word. Stop electing your own identity and instead find it in who Christ says you are. What do you need to confess about yourself today? Now there might be some business you need to do with the Lord. I need to confess these attitudes. I need to confess these sins. I need to confess these actions that I did. Certainly, that might be a part of it. But don't stop there. Because there's so much more to confession than just acknowledging our sin. We need to go further and we need to talk about, thank you, Lord, that I am your child. Thank you that you have given me a spirit, not of fear, but of self-control and of love. Work within me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I believe that the power of the Spirit working within me will change me to be these things that I don't currently have. That's the way we need to pray. Does this make sense? So, some of us need to confess our sins. Some of us need to begin confessing what God wants to see happen within us. God has a future and a purpose for you. He has a better future and a better purpose than you can even understand or think through right now. He has more of His presence and more of His power available on the other side of your confession and agreement with Him. Listen, when, when here, here's how this is not like charismatic, like over the top, um, name it claim it kind of stuff. I'm not saying that if you say I'm a child of God and I am good and I am wonderful and that God wants to work in me, that all of a sudden you're going to have a jet plane in your driveway tomorrow morning. I'm not saying that you should sow into my ministry this morning and I'll give you out tenfold back or God will give you out tenfold back. That's not what we're saying this morning. What blessing actually looks like in the Bible is more of God's presence. That's what blessing really is in the Bible. And listen, God's going to meet your physical needs. He says that in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. He says, if you seek my kingdom first, then all these things will be added to you. We strive for all the things first and then we say, God, oh yeah, your kingdom, cool. But what he wants instead is for us to seek him first because when we seek him first, we'll get more of his presence and we don't get his power unless we first have his presence. We don't receive his healing unless he's first in us. We don't receive his blessing unless we're walking with him. He doesn't mind you asking for stuff, but he wants you to know him. It's pretty clear, right? So, no, not name it and claim it, but speak the truth. Not name it and claim it, but speak the truth about yourself. And this is not a one-time thing. This is a daily, even a constant moment thing where we have to continually place our identity, place our understanding of ourselves back in God's truth and back in his words rather than in constantly defining ourselves. Because the truest thing about you is not what you say, but what God says. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. I want to close a little differently today. Um, I've got a list that's going to be posted. I, it might be in your uh, Bible uh, app, the Uversion Bible app notes. Um, it's also going to be posted this week online on, on our social media places. Follow our Facebook. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to catch up on information and see some really great things that we're posting out during the week. This will be one of them. I've just got a short list of, of 24 things that God says about you. And we're not going to pray through all of these today but I, wanna, I just want to exercise what it might look like out loud and in this room to confess and agree with God that I am these things you say that I am. And so um, how I want to close today uh, is I'm just going to highlight just several of these that I feel the Spirit leading me to. And I'm just going to pray these out loud. And I want you, as I pray, to make those same words your own. And I want you to confess and agree with what God says through his word about who you are. And I want you to affirm those things, maybe even a small whisper to yourself at your seat. doesn't matter. God can hear the words in your mind. You don't have to speak out loud. There is something powerful about saying it out loud, though. There is something powerful about sitting with your spouse and making sure that we're praying together about the same things. There is something powerful about making a step now and not just listening to me pray, but you actively engaging with these words. There'll be something powerful in the spirit moving as you pray the things that God says about you. So I'm going to just call out one of these and I'm going to pray and I'm just going to let there be some silence as we pray together about these things. Um, at the end, how we're going to close, I'll, I'll close us in a, in a moment of prayer, um, kind of corporately together. We're going to have some, some like deacons and leaders posted around the room. If you need extra prayer, if you, there's some things that you're going through that you need prayer, if you need um, extra moments of encouragement and confession and agreement about who you are in Christ, go see some of these people around the room. They're going to be posted in the back. If you need to join a church, that is biblically based, that wants to see you grow, that wants to see Christ uh, uh, grow within you and grow you to be all that you can be, then come join with us today. Come find me at the front. We would love to bring you in to what we're doing here at Cornerstone. Um, If there are any decisions that you need to make, come let us know at the front this morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. You guys ready to pray in church? Let's do it. Let's, Let's bow our heads and pray some of these things this morning. Father you are you are so good you are you are beyond words what you say about us should begin to change who we are from the inside out it should begin to to align our hearts with you and then align our speech and then realign our hearts once again and then realign our speech help us this morning to view ourselves the way that you view us as i call these out help us to honestly pray through some of this list this morning. Help us to honestly pray these affirmations, these agreements, these confessions about who you want us to be and who you say we are in you. Help us this morning to be like you. This morning pray, I am the salt and light of the earth. Pray, I've been given a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control, not fear. Pray, I am hidden with Christ in God. Pray that I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Pray that I am a citizen of heaven. that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Declare that I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit working in me. Declare that I have been adopted as God's child. that I have been bought at a price and I belong to God. Declare that I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. Agree with Him that I cannot be separated from His love. that you are Christ's very friend. God, this morning I declare that I am a saint, that I am a new creation in you, that I am established, that I am anointed and I am sealed by what you've done on the cross for me. I declare that I am a member of your body. I declare that I am your temple and that you dwell within me. I declare that you are changing me and that you are moving me to be something more than I am right now, that you see potential in me. Lord, I pray that as we confess and affirm and agree with these things that you say about us in your word, that you would begin to activate the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. That this week, we wouldn't just view this as a silly exercise. We did on Sunday morning, but we would actually practice this in our daily lives. That we would practice affirmation. That we would practice confession. We want to grow to be more like you, but it won't happen until we're ready. God, make us ready this week. Make us ready this morning to be more like you. Make us like you form within us what you want to see through the Holy Spirit's activation and work in our lives help us to assess ourselves where you assess us and not where we assess ourselves we are full of your potential and your work and your good that you've written beforehand for us to do help us to leave this room not as sinners or gross dirty people who do sin every once in a while that's not who we are Instead, we are your children. We are fully and dearly loved. God, give us strength and give us mindfulness through the power of the Holy Spirit this week to think about you and to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close in a song? Find some people in the room if you need extra prayer. Come and let us know if there's any decisions you'd like to make whether it's accepting Christ as your personal Savior, starting a relationship with Him, or joining our church.